Good morning. Can you hear me well? Okay, very good. Well, my name is Raul Pacheco. I'm from Brazil. I've been here in the States for a while. I was here five years with Briarwood and moved back to Brazil, worked nine years as a church uh, with Kemp South as a pastor, a church that was established by Kemp Southridge over there. Uh, in 2015, we moved back to the States, and now we work with international students. Uh, married with Vivi, my best part. I have, we have two kids, Daniel, 15 years old, and Elisa, 10 years old. So we're living in Auburn, working with international students. So that's a little bit of our background. Now you know me, relax. <laughs> I, I was thinking, uh, they told me Kevin preached 25 minutes, but because of this sermon, I was thinking to make you really hungry and thirsty. We're going to stand the sermon 12, 12.30, 12.45. Is that okay? Yeah, so you'd be really, really hungry and really, really thirsty as the women and, and Jesus were uh, in this text. I'm kidding, people. I'm going to preach only 45. Don't worry. <laughs> so the text today is on John chapter 4. And before we start, I need help from the best one. That is God himself. So I would like to pray with y'all. Lord, thank you so much because it doesn't matter what I say. It will not be important, but what you say to them. Use my life, Lord, to bless them, to challenge them, to encourage them. To, In this word from today, Lord, I pray that you speak loud to the ones that are struggling, the ones they do not know their place in this kingdom. Help all of us, Lord, as a church, to not be thirsty anymore. We pray that in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. Have you heard about the women at well? Uh, if you being around church, you heard this sermon several times. So uh, it's a common text, but it's interesting that a lot of things about this text is hidden as precious gem inside of this text. So I want to unfold with you, and I try to do as quickly as I can. I know it's a long task, so you need to keep your Bible open on chapter 4. We're going to do homilia style, that means verse by verse. And sometimes I'm going to fly by and hang in there because we, need, we want to leave earlier. So I don't want you to be really, really hungry. So in verse 1 starts this way. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making baptized more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed, departed for Galilee. Okay. First of all, the, these two verses says they were worried why Jesus is baptizing. What happened here is Jesus is having more and more people coming to hear him. This is causing concern for the leaders. What's going on? Who is this guy? Who is this rabbi? John the Baptist is the crazy one with the camel, clothing, drinking locust and honey. But this guy is where he's from. Who is this guy? Who, who is, what is he doing? Well, he's baptizing. And the text says he was not baptized except the disciples. So this baptizing means he's aggregating people to his group. 
So this is kind of become a kind of rebellion or whatever is behind. It's a group of people doing something. We need to know what's going on. Yes. Jesus feels uncomfortable with that and he, he wants to go from Judea to Galilee. So if you look to the map, put in your mind, it's kind of going from here up north. According to physics, the straight line is the shortest. But the Jews don't do that. Because between Judea and Galilee is a place called Samaria. And Samaritans were not, in that time, in Jesus' time, was worse than ever in the history. Longer the Samaritans stay away from the Jews, more idolaters they became. And that is the reason the Jews avoid Samaritans, because from the beginning, actually Samaria was part of the northern part of the kingdom of Israel. You know, uh, kings from Israel were there, but they become weak. And they become starting uh, worship Baal and other gods. And just to give an idea, it was uh, something that a lot of people do not know about Samaritans. Samaritans did not believe in the prophets of the Old Testament. Yes. In Jesus' time. They believed only in the Pentateuch, the five books wrote by Moses. That's it. So no other, uh, no other prophet had any authority over Samaritans, And also, they did not believe in the Messiah as the Jews believe. The, the Jews believe the Messiah come to make the Israel free again from the powers of this world, as they did. But the Jews expected that, and you can see all through the gospel, the expectation of the disciples of the Messiah, the Christ, was going to be the savior of Israel. But for the Samaritans, they expect a... a a different kind of Messiah. They believe that the right person who came and set them free and give them access to heaven. Kind of interesting. It was completely different. It was nothing to do with this life here, as the Jews thought. So that is just uh, parenthesis for, for Samaritans. So, before we go into the text, it was just an introduction. I want to say something to you. What do you think is a missionary? I'm a missionary. I am. But I have a bad news to tell you. You are too. Sometimes I feel uncomfortable because people oh, you're a missionary. I'm not a super believer, a super Christian. I'm not special. Sometimes people want to make us special because, oh, you're leaving your country, going to another country and suffering for Christ. Well, let me tell you, you're suffering in your own country among your own neighborhood. Actually, the biblical perspective of a missionary is someone that witness about Christ. And I'm going to be short here. I could extend that perspective. But because of the sake of time, I just want to say something. When Jesus gave the Great Commission, what he said to do? Going, make what? Disciples. Be my witness. In Acts 1, you receive power to do what? To be my witness. Where? In Judea, Samaria? And through all the earth. To be what? Witness. He did not say, well, some of you are going to be sent. And some of you are going to do this. No, he said, you all. We all. That is the truth about the gospel. No one can say, oh, that's not my call. I'm sorry, that's your call. You are a missionary. The great problem is, when you think about the mission... It's a great task. It's really hard. You need to give up a lot of stuff. You need to 
I know what you think. You're going to live miserably without money and going to church, knocking doors and ask for support all the time. You don't want to do that. You want to have a stable job, have your income. But let me tell you, you know who provides for you? God. Through your job or through church or ever. So the missionary word applies to your life too. In the biblical perspective, it means that you're going to witness Christ. And that is the hardest thing. You know why people like to tell others I'm missionary? Because I don't want to commit to the people around me that I'm supposed to be a witness for Christ. So that is your first exhortation here. I'm not here to, to, to tingle your ears. I come here to preach the word. So that's what the word says. We're called to be a witness. If you have nothing to witness, so we need to check your heart. If God is not working in you, there is something wrong. So look, oh, no, Raul, I, I have a hard time. You heard that excuse before. Moses said that. No, I cannot go. Send someone else. It's always like that. It's not true. Jesus called a lot of people. People, you have a whole book about a guy that won't go because he knew God was a merciful. You know, Jonah. So that is a normal thing. God already knows our resistance to be a witness. That is the main point, to be a witness. But to be a witness, you need to see, believe, and experience a true relationship with God. And that is the major problem. You know, there is a person in the Bible that have a lot of excuses to not be a missionary. But in an odd way, God used this person. And this person is called an unknown Name, unnamed woman. Let's go to the text. Jesus decided to go to Samaria. What is not normal. He will use the shortcut. The easiest way to go to Judea. But you know why he did that? Let's see the text. And then in the end we come back to that question. Why Jesus went through Samaria? Verse 4. Please follow me. And he had to pass through Samaria. He had. I was so, why John said he had to? Why not he chose or he decided he had to? And I checked the Greek, is had. You must, it's necessary. That is the translation. It's like a, there is no other option. It's the only way. It's not true. How did Jews go around? Because the Samaritans, they speak, they throw rocks, they do a lot of bad stuff with Jews. They don't like Jews. Jews don't like Samaritans too. Why he had to? Let's see it. Verse 5, so he came to the town of Samaria called Sikar, near to a field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well, and it was about six hours. First of all, Jesus was tired. I'm so glad that the text did not omit that Jesus was a man too. Walking, at, there is no car, bicycles, Maybe a mule, only rich people have it. They walk, and walk a lot. Can you imagine their foot with dusty and no shoes, walking in the rocks and stuff like that? They really have a strong foot, yes. And Jesus was tired. Believe me, Jesus was really tired. Was noontime, was hot. How? Well, what is the temperature outside? 82, 85? Yes. It's not even noon. Almost. If I finish before noon, it would be great. It's hot. He's tired. 
He's sitting in front of a well. He's thirsty. And then, what happened? Verse 7, a woman from Samaria come to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. First of all, no one goes to the well at noontime. Why? Because it's hot. And you see the side. First of all, there is no buckets, plastic buckets to carry water, okay? These are very heavy stuff made of wood or even rocks sometimes. The things they carry the water is probably have a 20, 20 to 30 pounds each one they carry too. They bring water to the house. They don't have a system of pipes to bring water for a shower, stuff like that. They need to carry water. And she's coming noontime. That means, uh-oh, something is there. Yes, something is there. Only people that don't want... The early morning is the time when the whole women from the village came to draw water. Everyone else that the women don't want to be with come later. And this woman is not coming 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. She's coming at noon. That means she wants to be alone and no one likes her. No one wants to be seen with her. Bad reputation. Bad reputation. That is a red flag, okay? Jesus started talking with this woman. Whoa, hold on. How? A Jew not supposed to talk with another woman that's not from his family at all. And I see that with working with Muslims. You know, I, sometimes I'm trying to engage with other girls. I know I can't. They're not talking with me unless her husband or her brother or someone allow that. So my wife and Rainy that work with me, they engage girls. Because we cannot talk. Because not supposed to. They, so Jesus is talking with a woman. And not just a woman. It's a Samaritan. And not just a Samaritan. This is a woman with bad reputation. We don't know what ha- she has done. But she's there on noontime, really bad time to draw water. Because she needs to carry that water back. Well, let's see what happened. Let's expedite. I'm taking so long. I'm sorry. This is an entertaining story. Very, very real, very brutal. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan women said to him, How is that that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritan. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would give you living water. Something I won't say about this verse that you do not pay attention is the word gift of God. If you knew the gift of God. Okay. What do you think Jesus is talking about? Ah, there is no, not much there. Ah, well, let me tell you, yes, there is. There is some exegetical exercise here. Do you know what a gift of God for a Jew means? For a Samaritan means? Eternal life. Jesus started the conversation not, well, let me tell you, if you know, who I am. I have the gift of God. I have access to something that you all want. And then you ask me for water. She knew what gift of God meant. Let's see what the text says. 
Verse 11. Oh, by the way, sorry, it, living water. What? What Jesus talk about living water like a water with a lot of life in it? What that means? A water that gives you life? So what that means? We are not really sure. I'm trying to figure out what that meant in that context because it's easy for us after knowing everything about the gospel reading through but for that conversation she heard like uh, there is a man he's Jew he's talked with me this is not a good time he asked me for water and he is giving not an order this is the right way to ask water in that context okay Jesus was not unpolite with her he was loving and kind I know Fetch me some water, women. Sounds very in the western side of the world. Like, oh, what? You're chauvinist, you're ever. But let me tell you, in that context, that was giving her honor and asking her for water. And he explained why later, because he has no way to catch water too. So he was asking, begging her properly in that context for water. She was not complaining about the way he said. She was complaining about why you are talking with me? And then Jesus said, I have something better than you can expect. Not just eternal life, but the living water. I know you are thirsty. I know it's hot. Believe me, I have something much better than that. So let's continue. The living water. Verse 11. The women said to him, Sir. Do you know what that word means? Sir. Yeah, I never know that until I studied this text. Sir means curious in Greek. Do you know what is the translation for curious? Lord. She did not call him rabbi or sir or like we call sir, you know, yes ma'am, yes sir. She was saying Lord. 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 You have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep where do you get that living water she does have no clue what Jesus is talking about are you greater than our father Jacob he gave us that well and drank it for himself as did his sons and his livestock Jesus said to her everyone who drinks this water will be thirst again but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirst again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Eternal life comes back to the context. Okay, what is this living water, Jesus? Because you have no bucket. How are you going to pick it up water and give me water that you make me thirst no more? You see, the resistance of the Samaritan started here. Like, whoa, okay, great, awesome. You are promising the gift of eternal life, living water, but look, you are sitting here, noontime, and you even have a bucket. You are promising these kind of things. Who are you? What can you do? You have nothing. You're just sitting here and thirsty, just like me. Hey, 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 let me tell you, the living water I talk about it's not physical, it's spiritual. And that will lead you to eternal life. But guess what? 
resistance. Oh, are you saying you're better than Jacob? Because they don't care about whatever comes after. They, they care about the initial, because they divide the kingdom, north and south, Judah and the Israel king and the northern part of side. They, they despise the south. Are you telling me that you're better than Jacob, our father? Yes, I am. Let's see what, how he continued that. Verse 15, the women said to him, Sir, again, Lord, give me this water so I will not be thirsty and, or have to come here to draw water. What that means, what she asked for. It's funny because she needs to come every day on noon because she's embarrassed. She cannot come earlier. They don't want her to come earlier. She can't come earlier. She needs to do that day that job every day. Every day. It's her duty. And it's tired. She's thirsty. She needs to drink drink water, bring water every day. Okay, Jesus, give me that. So I'll not be thirsty again. And I, I don't need to draw water. I don't need to come here and embarrass myself every day. I can stay home and it will be fine. That's what she wants. It's not like us sometimes. Okay, who doesn't want to go and have a go to heaven and have eternal life. Tell me someone that say, oh, I won't go hell. Looks much better. I never heard anyone in any culture, any context say, yeah, I want to suffer misery my rest of my eternity. I really want that. So sometimes the appeal for follow Jesus is just the benefit. Make sense? Not the true God and the true relationship with him. The woman saying something, okay, give me that. Yeah. I'm in. Sign my name in it. Let's do it. Need to come to the, make a prayer, be baptized or whatever. Okay. That give me free entrance to heaven? Yes. That's not what Jesus talked about. Let's move on. I'm sorry. I'm, I get too many details and then we get entangled in that. So, Verse 15, the women said to him, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. Water. She thinks that something can fix her life. That's not what Jesus is talking about. 17, the women answered him. Oh, I'm sorry, 16. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. Uh-oh. You want... The water, bring your husband. It's not just for you, it's for all. Uh, yes, verse 17. Dear women, answer him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you had, have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. Do you know what is this verse? It's called grace. She did not lie, but she did not tell the truth too. But Jesus knew it. He knew where was the main point. And she knew, Jesus knew that she was alone in that well because the reputation that she had. Do you know what means had five husbands? She'd been rejected five times. 
And the one that she was living now was not her husband. You know what's called in the Bible? Adultery. Do you know what they do, adulterous people, in that time? They stoned to death. She did it because they were Samaritans. Not a lot of very exciting life for her. Is that true? Miserable person. Nothing there. No title, no names. You see, there is no mention of her name in the whole context. That's always caught my attention. Like, why no names? Why John kept that woman unknown, unnamed? I think there is a reason for that. And we're going to see in the end. Well, verse 17 said, I have no husband. And you're right. And then, oh, whoa, whoa. Verse 18 said, oh, I see. I see. The woman said to him, sir, again, Lord, I perceive that you are a prophet. Remember, the Samaritans do not believe in prophets. Because the prophets always attack Israel. Amos. You can read these small prophets, the twelve, and they will be punching, punching Israel because of the idolatry. So they don't like the prophets. Oh, I see you're a prophet. Our fathers worship. Look what she says. Our fathers worship in this mountain. But you said that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Oh, another excuse. <sighs> was going so well. I really want that water. You call my and even you compliment saying I was not lying. And then now you want our garrison is the place to sacrifice. That is the mount where we sacrifice, not Jerusalem. So what do you have to say about that, Jesus? Huh? What do you have to say? Because that's not where I'm going to. I'm Samaritan. Jesus said, look, verse 21. Women, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is here. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in, in spirit and truth. Verse 25, the women said to him, I know that Messiah is coming. He's called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Jesus is appealing to her. Say, look, the true worshipers are worshipers that do it in truth and in spirit. It's not where, it's who and how. Oh, the Messiah will come to tell us about that. I am he. If you look in Greek, it's the same as God said to Moses, I am. When he said, what is your name? And said, I am. Or the arm. Yahweh, not Jehovah, there is no J in Hebrew, uh, I am who I am, you know, I am he. That is not something normal, because you know what, Jesus is telling clearly to her what he is. He's not just the living water, he's not just the one that gives the precious gift of eternal life, he is the Messiah. 
Remember, she has been calling Jesus Lord. Do you remember what Paul says when you read the New Testament letters? What is our proclamation of our faith? That Jesus is the Lord and Savior. Christians were persecuted, killed, because only Caesar can be the Lord. And they never left that change. Jesus is the only Lord and Savior. No, no Hitler, no Caesar, no other. No kings, no Republican Party, no Democrat Party. Only Jesus is the Lord. Verse 27 to 30. I want to read quickly because of time. I'm sorry. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was walking, talking with a woman. But no one said, do you seek? What do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the women left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town. And they were coming to him. Let's stop here. Wow. What did she told to the village? He remembered. She's not. She's well known. But not for the good reasons. Okay. Her reputation is not good. But the people know her. And she runs. She left the jars behind. The jars are probably the most important thing for her to pick it up water. She doesn't care anymore. She met Christ, the Messiah. Look, people, I found him. He told me everything about what I ever have done. Wow. Jesus was not talking about, she used a lot of excuses, but Jesus was not interested about the excuses. Jesus was interested in what? Her heart. Not her behavior. Not water. That's the reason he had to go through Samaria. Because Samaritans need the gospel too. They need to hear. And Jesus did not say, look, I will die on the cross. I will be resurrected on the third day. And I will justify our sins. He never said that. Not, not in this text. And she believed. So sometimes we are so fixed with the idea that sharing the gospel or being a witness of Christ. You need to tell from A to Z, sometimes it's just loving well someone, just saying a good word, helping, just showing the difference that Christ has done in your life. This is being a witness of Christ. This unfit missionary led the whole village to, to meet Jesus. Jesus stayed three days there in the village, and a lot of people heard about Jesus because one bad reputation women. God can use all of us. We sometimes feel unfit for, oh, you know, Clanton, you know my neighbors, my classmates, wherever you are, co-workers. Yeah, how many times once someone in your contacts become a believer and then, oh, I'm a believer too. Like, why you never told me that? Like, we worked together for 10 years. And by the way, I never noticed you were a Christian too. That is a bad witnessing. Is not true? They need to see there is something in us that is not us. 
It's not our behavior. It's not how we love people or do these things or that. It's because something that isn't us because we're a temple of the Holy Spirit that means we have a new message. We have a new hope. We have a granted eternal life. And that's what matters. We leave our jars behind and start telling people. But the problem is we feel unfit. We feel, ah, I don't speak well. I don't have money. I don't have time. Hold on. Let me go to my notes. And one of the most important things that I always talk with people and I get from this text is like, look, my past. I had a student that he had a bad life. And he said, oh, when I go back, he was a director in the university. He was finished his education here, so he was going back to take his position. He said, wow, I have done bad stuff, bro. Like, yeah, I can see that. You told me. What is it going to be when I arrive there and now I'm different? Like, well, that will be a great witnessing for Christ. You're not going to lie. You're not going to do everything you did before. That is going to speak loud and show to them what Jesus really do when he transformed the life. So there is our past, but our past is forgiven. We're born again. We start from zero as a baby, crawling, learning how to walk. Yes, but that's not an excuse for us to go back to the village and tell everyone else. We cannot feel embarrassed about our past. Sometimes we feel that, oh, I don't have knowledge enough. I don't have the strength enough. I'm full of doubt. Sometimes I even doubt God is true. Me too. Yeah, the super missionary don't exist. We're a real human. We struggle. We have depression. We have a illness. We have a anxiety issues. We have a problem with our kids, as just like all of you. Don't project on us because you're fear of doing what God asks you, that we're going to do it for you. Mm-hmm. I know, Kevin, and sometimes you throw, oh, pastor, I have a friend. I want you to evangelize him. <laughs> Why not about you? Why not are you sharing your life with him and telling him what God has done? Oh, God has done nothing in my life, so I need to share the gospel with you now because you need more than him because you're in the church. You have no clue what means walk with God. It's not about how many times you sit in these pews and love the worship and love the emotional things and the knowledge. It's about the relationship with God. That's what changed these women's lives. God is not after church. God is after people. That's the reason he had to go through Samaria. There is a whole village of people that no one likes, no one cares. They need to hear the gospel. And he did. And how? You were curious to know what happens. Oh, go after. The disciples. Oh, the disciples. The twelve apostles. Jesus, are you crazy? What are you doing? Let's run out of this village. No, no, no. We're going to stay here a few days. Jesus is insane. Yes, he is. Because he's insane for us. He loves people. He cares for people. He wants to save all of co-workers, classmates, family. Oh, yeah, family. Don't talk about family. Don't talk about Bruno. Yes. Oh, you don't know my cousin. You don't know my mom. You don't know my father. Oh, I do. Because I do have family, too. And a lot of my old brother is not even a Christian. And I've been praying for him for 40 years. So, yeah. 
We are normal people, and guess what? Jesus is tired, sit down, and wants water. I always wonder if he gets water or not, because the women laugh. <laughs> we never learned. Probably the disciples, okay, she went, the bucks are here, let's get some water. We bought food, so probably we're going to drink some water before I go to the village. But I don't believe there is time for that. Jesus ran to the village because the people met him, and they said, this is a man that we want to heal. See, the women have a resistance, but she called Jesus Lord. This is a confession of faith. So sometimes we claim Jesus is our Lord and Savior, but we still doubt, we still struggle. And you know what Jesus had to tell you as he told the women? Don't worry, you're going to worship in truth and in spirit. doesn't matter where. There is time that we're going to doubt, yes. No, he doesn't give up. You see, he was persistent. He goes after us. He goes to Samaria to find us. He goes to the whole pity place where you are sometimes and sit there and just wait for you to come down like he did with Elijah. Kill me, Lord. Kill me. Oh, Rob is going to kill me. It's better to die after killing and making fire come from heaven. Now he's in the whole pity like, oh, poor of me. No one follows you, Lord. Oh, yeah, he's a prophet. You read how many miracles he did? Just after fire came from heaven, destroyed the whole altar, put fires everywhere. And they go and kill all the Baals, uh, priests. Now, a few weeks later, he's crying out, kill me, Lord, kill me. And the angel comes and sits and be quiet. Okay, poor Elijah. So good that Jesus sits with us in the wells and said, poor of us. I'm here. I'm patient. I, I wait for you. So I want to tell you to conclude this time. She's not even new. There is one minute. <laughs> you sometimes feel that you're not fit to be a witness of Christ. And I have a good news for you. There is a way to fix that. It's not, do not come from you. The only thing you need to do is seek to the Lord and have a relationship with him. It's not about how much you do it for Christ. It's how much God does in you, changing your heart. And that will change your behavior. That will change your attitude. That will change your mood. That is going to change your perspective of your whole life because you'll be born again. It's not about how many times or when you're baptized or how many times you come to church or what title you have or what do you do, how you serve. It's not about that. It's about knowing who is Christ. And believe in him. And then you have a lot to talk with others. Because God took me away from death and gave me a new life. And that is the thirst that he feeds. That is the hungry that he feeds. No thirst anymore. No hunger anymore. To be someone. You realize that woman was no one. Now is someone. A follower of Christ. Her identity is secure in Christ. You don't need to have a bad, good cars, nice house, good title in your job. You don't need to be the boss. You don't, even, you don't need to be a super missionary. You don't need to be any of that. The only thing God asks us to be is to be ourselves and walk with him in that process. He heals us, heals our past, heals our life, changes us brutally to be a completely new person. Not half heart, 
full heart. I want to invite you to pray, and I give you some time, because I talk too much. And I want you to sit down and think a lot, not about what I said, but look to these women. How much of us sometimes we're just like her? We come to church and no one notices us. We, I don't know what goes through your life. But Jesus is calling us. He calls people. Not person, he calls people. We're part of this church, this village, this city. We're not isolated. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are truly the Lord and Savior. You are the only God, the only living water that really makes her thirsty no more, hungry no more, lost no more. You are the only one that really can change us. We cannot change ourselves. We're in bounds. In bounds. <laughs> We're a slave of sin without you. We need you to change us, to walk with us, to show us grace, to raise us up when we fall, to comfort us when we struggle. And you are present, a real God, not a preference, not an idea. You are a person, and you are interested in us people to follow you. Help us, Lord, to be able to tell others how much you have changed us, Lord, how important you are for us, that what really matters, it's you and nothing else, not in words, but in actions, too. That the church, Grace Fellowship, you be known for their love for each other and for their neighbors. But especially for their love for you. Lord, you can change us. You are only hope. And you can use our lives as you want. Wherever you want. In any place you want, Lord. Use, use us, Lord. We surrender to you every day. Help us to surrender all. In Jesus' name, Lord. Would you stand with us as we respond to God's word?